You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Beat out all trouble and drunk. Beat out. And kick all trouble out the door Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum Beat me that rhythm on the drum And kick all trouble out the door Kick him 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 out the door Kelly Whitworth. This is Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR, streaming live. That's right. We do live interviews, unedited, on Community Radio 3CR. This program is podcast by the wonderful Kelly Whitworth. Do we have a... Do we have a... That's it. You know, we're softening up the suckers. You know why we're softening them up? I've got no idea. Radiothon is coming. Radiothon, what's that? The 15th of June, and we've got to raise lots of money to keep the station on air. Yeah, we'll you reminded that. me about it today. Yeah, we need to start planning. <laughs> You're the producer. You plan. <laughs> I do all the work. It's not I'm fair. A sh- hey, I'm a show painter. You're a draft horse. Okay, that's the way it works. Oh. Now, I understand you've been putting pressure on the volunteers, Kelly. I just talk to them nicely. Mm. We're all volunteers. Well, we're volunteers, but we've got we don't have a life. You've actually put me at risk this afternoon. Why is that? Young germs. People oh, are worried about germs. COVID. I. I don't care about COVID. You inoculate yourself against COVID, but you can't inoculate yourself against youth. We have a young person in the studio, Grace Kelly. Oh, you can say hello to her too. Oh, I've got, a, oh, I've got your microphone on now. That's good. That's helpful. Yeah, hey. Hey. yeah she's hey. a professional. <laughs> now, look, I don't know how we're going to fill in this 56 minutes usually the people i interview are 106 <laughs> and they got a life now what year were you born grace oh you wouldn't ask me to surely yes i would he's oh. asking you right now <laughs> you can make it up no, i was i was born in 97 hang on you're not the grace kelly i thought kelly <laughs> i was told by kelly that i was going to interview the grace kelly and you're born in 1997 what's going on here well, it's not my first life, you know. I've, this is my second or third time around now, so. Uh, listening to that accent. You yeah, do. I have a slightly different <laughs> accent in this one. <laughs> you do need a second life. So they'll be very old germs. That's true. They'll be fossilised, so I'm safe. That's right. Now. But they'll be royal. Royal germs. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sick of royal germs. <laughs> royal is a euphemism for murderer, slaver, rapist. Thief. 
That's what I've always said about Grace Kelly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but she married into royalty. She was just an ordinary film star. She's innocent as yeah, it can be. Just like you. <laughs> so you're born in 97. May I ask what part of the universe were you born in? So I was born in Tennessee. Tennessee. Which is a state in the United States. You're kidding. Yeah. I thought it was an independent country in Western <laughs> Europe. Yeah, I'm from Tennessee, France. <laughs> Tennessee, France, yes. So How do you, you pronounce that? <laughs> France. Tennessee. <laughs> Tennessee, yeah. Or France. Tennessee. That's a long way to come. But let's go back. Now, are your parents listening to this interview? Oh, you know, I probably should have told them about it. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a bit... Look, I, I love interviewing old people because they can slag their parents. But obviously when you're young, it's a dangerous thing to do. So, Well, they're both on not this continent, so I feel pretty safe. Ever heard of the virtual world? This, uh -huh. this program's going to be podcast. It's uh, streaming live around the world on 3cr.org.au. Yeah, but I'll have yeah, about guys, a 24-hour yeah. head start oh, on them if they decide to come oh, after me. All right. So what part of Tennessee were you living in? I was uh, born in a town called Clarksville, which, which is a little bit outside of Nashville. But mm. don't quiz me too much on my American geography because it is not super up-to-date. That's better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> when you said Clarksville, I thought... It sounds like Superman's hometown. No, no. <laughs> it does. It, no, it sounds a little bit more like... Um, South Park, I think. No, it doesn't at oh, all. The Simpsons, Clarksville, no, the Simpsons. Oh. Maybe that's where Springfield is yeah, all yeah, along. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. so, so it was a bit like Springfield, was it? I don't know, man. It was, it was a small town. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's probably changed a lot because I left when I was about nine. Nine, but, but they were your formative years, your first nine years. That's true. That's true. Did you go to school? I did. I was actually homeschooled when I was very young. How come? What's wrong with your parents? <laughs> we don't have time on this show for that. <laughs> were, you, were you religious maniacs or something? My parents met in Bible college, actually. Right. <laughs> Picked it in one. Here, here, on the money. Here, here in Australia, homeschooling, it's usually religious maniacs or old hippies. In the States, it's always religious maniacs. I don't blame them because if you know anything about the American education no, system... I don't. I'm sure you know that it's mm. not one of the best. Yeah. Are you kidding? Education? You've been to a public school in Australia? No. <laughs> All right. But you could probably point to other countries on mm. a map if you went mm. to school here. So how many years were you homeschooled for? Well, I went to public school when I was in third grade, so mm. for the first few years. Uh, did, did your parents belong to one of these Protestant sects? I... I was so young. From the stories I've heard from my mum, mm. I would say it was mm. leaning towards the sort of cult side of cult religion. Side. Mm. Um, was it a conservative cult or libertine cult? That's a good question. <laughs> it's probably a bit more on the conservative side, but right. maybe the kind of conservative that think they're really progressive, you know what right. I mean? Right. So, so was it, did they live in a compound? Or did or not just in their own home? Yeah, no, just just yeah. in their and did you have any siblings? I have three younger siblings. Oh. they're my absolute best friends. Shout out to those guys. They're, the oh, best. they're all still oh. in Tennessee. No, no, we haven't been. We haven't had any connection to Tennessee in 
decades. Um, oh, we better we better pursue that. That sounds fascinating. <laughs> so were you I am- could talk for a long time about. <laughs> so were your parents American born? Yeah, my parents were we were all born in the U.S. Or, and and um, their parents, do you know? Yeah, yeah, they were as well. Are your grandparents still alive? No, my grandfather was my last grandparent, just passed away a couple months ago. Hey, when was the last time you saw him? I saw him in, in I believe, April 2021. What type of person was he like? He was a very funny, uh, flamboyant kind of guy, a great storyteller, really no. knew how to fill up a room. And uh-huh. uh, He was an educator. He was a, a I think he was a lawyer as well mm-hmm. at some, one point, and he was in the Army as well right. when he was younger. So right. he had a lot so of great what, stories. So was he a Vietnam veteran or if he was in the army? Maybe Korea? Yeah, I think it was a bit before Korea. then. So Korea, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he saw action. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I wouldn't call it action. <laughs> sort of death and destruction. <laughs> yeah. So how many years were you homeschooled? Maybe two or three. Like I learned to read and write and kind Did of all you? that yeah. stuff. If yeah. I quoted a uh, section of the Bible for you, would you be able to uh, pinpoint it? Have you still got all those memories? Let's test it. Well, I can't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> tell us, tell us the, what's the fourth commandment? Like in order. <laughs> the fourth. Or I could tell you the fourth one I could think of. <laughs> well, what's the fourth one you can think of? Uh, don't steal. <laughs> well, my favourite, my favourite is, don't covet your neighbour's wife and oxen. Mm. I think it's it's a good combination. The fact that the oxen and the wife are considered to be of equal value, <laughs> it should be the other way around. Could you covet something like? Is that an exhaustive list? Do you reckon? <laughs> no, no, that was the list. That's... That was the, that was the list. Uh, what's in the bo- what? What Moses brought down from, you know, the mountain, that's the list. Yeah. You're not much of a Bible scholar, are you? Well, to be fair, Christianity really appropriated a lot of that stuff from, from the Jewish scriptures. So Yeah, well, it was so, originally. So? So. I mean, we all appropriate. Yeah. I appropriate my interview technique from somebody else, obviously. Well, that's just yeah, called well, artistry. I mean, and I next, next, you. next you're going to complain about the Quran appropriating from the Bible. Oh, well, I mean, and then then you're going to complain about the, you know, <laughs> the Torahs and the and the Bible and the Quran appropriating from the Hindu Vedas. Oh, what's what's your, wrong what's with your you? Point, both of you. Well, uh, look, you just, hey, you're, you're the producer. Just digressed into this muddle shh, of shh, shh, thing. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You're the producer. You're staying a little hovel there. We're having an intellectual <laughs> discussion. She was born in '97. <laughs> That's 25, 26 years ago. We've got 54 minutes, so I want to show the intellectual she is compared to you and me, all right? Okay. Fair enough. Fair right. short so, and you went to school in Tennessee? Yeah, yeah. I went to school in Tennessee and in Arizona for a couple years each. Ooh. Mm. So what was school like in Tennessee? I don't remember <laughs> that much of it, <laughs> embarrassingly. But yeah. I had a good time. It was fun. It was, you uh, That's know, good. Yeah. A lot of kids music. or just a small class, country class? Pretty, pretty Average, like not not super huge. Like I've heard mm. some schools in the mm. US are just mm. massive, but it was manageable. Yeah, when I went to school, there were eighty-two kids in the grade one. Wow, <laughs> that's Australia for you in the fifties. Getting back to you, why did your parents have to move to Arizona? Did they owe people money, or what happened? We uh, were staying there temporarily. My father actually was already moved to the Middle East, where his job was, and, uh, and uh. was kind of 
setting up things there for a while before we moved over and joined him. So I only did like one year of school there. I yeah, stayed so with my, my grandmother, his mother. And, and, and hang on, the Middle East. Mm. Where in the Middle East did you go to? So we were living in a town um, in the Emirate of Abu Dhabi uh-huh. in the UAE. Mm-hmm. And we later, my family moved to Dubai. Mm-hmm. And my father is still working there in the same role. Same role. We won't ask. We won't expose him. Yeah, no, no. We won't expose him, poor man. <laughs> Having you as a daughter is bad enough. You know, and the fact that we expose what type of work yeah. he does. And imagine four of me. Four of you? Yeah. Like no. all my siblings and me. Yeah, well, they're not all the same as you, hopefully. No, they're way cooler than me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what was it like? Did you kind of live in a, um enclave in Dubai, in the Emirates? Was it just kind of... Uh, expatriates kind of community? We didn't, but that was common, especially among, you know, people who mm-hmm. were working in education or in oh. medicine, and these would kind of like be in a on a compound together, but we were just kind of living on any ordinary street. Right. What was, that, what was that like? It was, it was really cool. It was, um, it's a tricky place for families, I think, because especially at the time we were there, a lot less expats, um, a lot more than even 20 years before that, though. So it was growing. Um, but, you know, people came and went a lot. So it was tricky with friendships. And obviously, we we're really far from family in the US, which was, I think, looking back, probably a good thing that we didn't spend a lot of time in the States. Right. But uh, yeah, I met a lot of really amazing people. And it was super international community. Yeah, and- yeah that's what people forget. Uh, a lot of those places that are I've got, I've got a lot, bit of monetary reserves. A lot of the people they've got there are from overseas. Yeah, absolutely. Like in Qatar, it's 90%. Mm-hmm. I think, what is it, about 60% in Abu Dhabi? I'm not sure about Abu Dhabi. Yeah. I know that uh, Dubai recently surpassed like 80% expats, 80%. at least in the city. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But we were in a smaller town that it has a, had, at least at the time, a much larger proportion of locals living there. Mm. And, um, and did you go to a local school? Or? No, I went. It was it was Alain English Speaking School was the name of my school. What? Alain? Alain, which was the name of the town, means the oasis. Oh, the oasis. And yeah, it was mm. it was mostly, you know, like Brits and, and Aussies, and Americans, yeah. Canadians. You know what fascinates me about the Middle East, mm. and it's not all that's happening now, is when the first Christians went into the desert, they would find a little cave in a date tree and they would, you know, next to an oasis, when you use the word oasis, and they would live there for 40 or 50 years till they died, contemplating the meaning of life and eating dates and drinking water. Did you see any of these holy people anywhere? Other than me? Yeah. (laughs) There were actually a pretty large number of Christians there. There was a church there that we went to Mm -hmm. um, that we were involved with for a bit. Yep. Um, A church. Yeah, like a a Christian, I think, uh, what would you even call? Uh, Was it a happy clappy mob or? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. one of those kind Mm. of. They would have fitted in. Yeah. Mm, they're no threat to anybody, they except were. people's sanity. Yeah. <laughs> as Did long as you... Were you in the choir? I was in so many choirs. Oh, tell us about it. I've no, always wanted to meet a that's young... That's the one cool thing slash uncool thing about growing up in a small town is that the school is small and the community is small and what kids there are are all pushed into performance they all put out on the stage and they say sing anything play anything you don't have to be good you don't have to know what you're doing and there's no competition so you just grow up doing you know all sorts of 
Yeah. And your parents tell you how great you are, and, you <laughs> know, and then you get into the real world and you find out how terrible you are. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, Small us, pond. How about these choirs? Any church choirs? Yeah, well, I I was involved with some kind of uh, theatre stuff when I was living in Alain and mm-hmm. then like school productions kind of later on. And then when I was 16, I left to do my last two years of school in England at a boarding school. And that was like an Anglican church sort of school. And they had the most incredible uh, music department and music directors there. And like I was in three or four different choirs singing like sacred choral music which i mm. fell in love with and that was really really amazing and life-changing to be honest all right we'll get to that in a minute so in the middle east what did you learn about life because mm. you're growing up yeah i don't know it's tricky it's such a tricky time in your life no matter where you are to be kind of like pre-teens and figuring out social stuff i think i learned that i was a very depressed kid right. <laughs> and what, what uh, made you think you're a depressed kid i just struggled to kind of engage with things that i saw people around me engaging with and i felt personally like i dragged a lot of drama with me everywhere that i went mm. and i really struggled to make connections with people and i felt like i was just constantly missing something uh, i was not a chill person i was a very nervous kid mm-hmm. so I think I didn't realize when I was younger that I was such an overthinker until, you know, you get to that part of mm. your oh, it's, it's a very common trait in kids who have to move from school to school to school yeah. because it's very difficult for me any lasting relationships. You know, you meet kids and they say, I'm still talking to the kids I met in primary school 28 or 50 years ago. And you go, what, what? Yeah. I can't remember one name, you know. Yeah, I've got so many like mates that. here who, who've are still friends with the people they went to school with mm. and still have this community that they've been build, building up for decades. Mm. And it's really remarkable to me. I have no concept of that. Uh, so this finishing school in <laughs> England, what was it called? Can you tell us the name? It was called Sedborough School and it was in the very north of England in Cumbria. Cumbria. Very near to the border of Scotland. is absolutely stunning. Kelly's excited. You've been to Cumbria. Uh, my half my family's from up north, but I know that that county is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh my gosh, breathtaking. No, uh, is I that where the back. um the Lake District is? Is that yeah? It's near. Yeah, the, yeah it's a different kind of district. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like no. the Yorkshire Dales, more of that. Oh. Yeah. I wonder if you're genetically related, Kelly Whitworth. Grace Kelly, the word oh, Kelly, no, yeah. you know, and you both Cumbria. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> so this finishing school wasn't like St Trinian's. I'm not familiar. <laughs> I feel like it's from a, a movie that I should know. <laughs> well, look, in my time, when you're a kid, you know, a teenager, there was this series of these this private girls' school called St Trinian's. I hope I pronounced it right. And they would do the most outrageous things. Totally. And they always carried hockey sticks to beat people up with. And wear, used to wear their skirts mid-fi. And, you know, it was just it was just a, it was a total laugh. It was a total send-up of the private school sector. Yeah. They used to hijack trains and, you name it, <laughs> rob banks. Oh, cool. And then they go back to the school. Nobody would actually know. <laughs> so it wasn't like that. 
I wish. wish. I wish I had had this source material to sort of yeah. like grow my school career. Well, I reckon. I reckon if you go on YouTube, there'll be those old movies will be there. It's a byword, you know, for mm. girls going wrong <laughs> <laughs> in the fifties. A byword, but it was. It wasn't a negative wrong. It was just that they were rebellious, totally rebellious. The headmistress. Did you have a headmistress? We had a headmaster. A headmaster? Had, was it a co-educational school? It was, but it had only been for about 10 years at the time that I matriculated at the school. Mm-hmm. And the school opened in 1525. <laughs> so it had been an all-boys school for mm-hmm. a very long time in the school's history. That's interesting. Is that a one of Henry VIII's creation when he... When he um, kind of took over the property of the Roman Catholic Church and set up the Anglican Church? Cause it's it might be. Around that could period. Be, yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Well, that long. Yeah. But it's probably not too far removed from... No, no, I'm going to ask you a magic question. You won't know the answer to this. <laughs> Why did your parents send you to Cumbria? <laughs> Were you a really bad person? Or, there was, or they thought you needed to be educated, you know? They'll fume that you've asked me this question. They'll be seething because they did not want me to go at all and I wanted to get out of Alain where I was and I knew a couple of other people from my school Uh specifically who were going to be going there who Uh wanted to go on to go to university in England and I had no specific plans to go back to the the United States for university Mm -hmm. so I thought well maybe I'll go there and that'll open up kind of that way. So this was your decision? I, I was desperate to go I begged. How old were you Grace? I was 16. This was your decision. You made this decision. I thought it would broaden my horizons to kind of, you know, get some independence from my parents and live yep. in a different country. Yep. Well, different, this is different. <laughs> your little act of rebellion. Maybe, yeah. No, it was yeah. your little, it was a big act of rebellion, going to another country, yeah. boarding, draining their finances. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure it wasn't cheap nope. as a boarder. No. Nope. Uh, so when you boarded, I've always been interested in this. Maybe it's my misspent childhood. When you boarded, did you share a room? When you get to the sixth form, so the last two years, you mm-hmm. do get your own room. But mm-hmm. the school, you could board from like year nine and up in the secondary school, mm-hmm. and so you'd share a room mm-hmm. until then. Did you find some kids that were there felt they'd just been deserted by their parents, just put in boarding school? Or To be honest with you, most of the kids going to that school, their families were from the area, and the area had a lot of people kind of working in agriculture. Most of the families were pretty wealthy. A lot of their parents had gone to the school and their parents' parents, so there were a lot of mm. legacy mm. kids going through. And everybody, except for me, kind of had this air of belonging about them, mm. like they had inherited the spot at this school. So there were a few... In, uh, international students from China and from Germany specifically that uh-huh. that might have been more of the case where their parents were like, go yep. get a British education. So here we are, day one. You enter the gates. What are your feelings as you see this monstrosity rise before you? I think I was definitely scared and sad to be separating from my parents but I was also very relieved that they were going to be flying back home and that I was going to be staying there. <laughs> uh, they were there with your parents when you walked through the front gate. They did drop me off, yeah. They dropped you off. Yeah, were they, they allowed, didn't kick Were they allowed me. inside? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, they, they, they get a cup of tea? Of course. 
And did they sign the check over? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> they had to do that way before any of the other stuff. Right. Now, you said this was a life-changing experience. How was it a life-changing experience? Mm, that's a good question. I think my perspective on myself changed a lot at the time. And I sort of started to see myself in a in a different way than I had before and see my parents in a different way, which was a big deal for me because before that they were kind of all that I had and I had just trusted their judgment so implicitly and never questioned it. And then when I started experiencing things that were very challenging to me and I maybe didn't handle it well or perfectly or maturely or whatever it was, and then I felt like we were just on totally different pages. I actually felt like I was on a different world from everyone else because the doctors and peers and teachers and my parents, everyone that I spoke to seemed to have just like no no clue what was going on with me. Mm. So it started a very introspective period for me, I think. Mm. So how did, how did you get on with the other boarders? Oh, well, I don't really keep in touch with any of them. Oh. So that might give you a clue. So what, you were... Isolated yourself. A little bit, yeah. Mm. I think I wasn't a very good friend to no. myself and especially to other people. No, it's kind so of imploding. You sound like a normal teenager. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was crazy. This I is, had a hard time this in is, high school. <laughs> yeah. This is Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR, produced by Kelly Whitworth. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm chatting with Grace Kelly. Not that Grace Kelly, but a more interesting Grace <laughs> Kelly. Radical Australia is a podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. It is on Instagram at Radical Australia. Dot, oh, God. At Radical Australia 3CR. No bloody dots. <laughs> Twitter at Radical 3CR. And what's the last one? Facebook, is it? Yep. At, at Radical Australia 3CR. Just go to the bloody podcast. <laughs> go to 3cr.org.au. Put Grace Kelly and bingo. There will be Grace. 3CR is radical radio, and that means more than just alternative current affairs and political coverage. We're radical because we're an independent media outlet, owned and operated by the community. We're radical because we give communities the control of their own shows, with their own music, in their own languages. We're radical because we provide a media platform for communities to build their own power to create social change. Become a subscriber and support Radical Radio. Call us on 03 9419 8377 or subscribe online at 3cr.org.au forward subscribe. Right, so this doesn't sound a very happy period for you. Mm. The, the worst time of my life, those years. Oh, <laughs> two I years. go back there in a heartbeat. So sad. <laughs> two years, two years. Did you go, well, once you graduated, obviously with honours, we only talk to people who graduated with honours on this program. Of course. You did finish year 12, didn't you? I did. Right. Skin of my teeth, but I did it. <laughs> Is that O levels? Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the o- they used to be called O levels. I think they're now called A levels. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Yeah, yeah. So like a VCE or HSC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 She hasn't been inculcated into our cultures yet. She doesn't know what VCE is. Do you know I what VCE is? 
She does. Of course I do. I do. <laughs> they, you have to know what it is before they let you immigrate to this country. Right? No. Oh, of course not. It's, it's not one of the questions. There's a question about Dot Bradman, I think. Now, There's a question about fealty to the crown and then that's right. VCE. That's right. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, on Saturday, you were showing your loyalty. Of course. Because you bastards broke King George's heart. And became independent. Uh, yeah, we all feel really you bad know, you, for you, him. You, you kind of sided with the French revolutionaries. It's disgusting. Let's get him back to your little life. So what happens after you, <laughs> you leave year 12? Then I wanted to take a gap year. Oh, everybody does these days. Well, I think I'd spent all my parents' money on the school and they're like, well, we can't afford to send you to uni. So <laughs> I was like, oh, well, I'll get a job. I'll make some money. I'll figure out uh, where I want to uh, go. Yeah. And what were you doing? Um, I ended up doing a gap year in China. Ah. A year I was working at one of these sort of sub-headmasters at my, at my boarding school in England mm -hmm. ended up going to be the headmaster of a British boarding school in China. Right. So wealthy Chinese parents would send their kids there to kind of get prepared to go to uni yep. overseas. And so because I was familiar with the setup, he offered me kind of a job there, mm. which I did for a year. I didn't really know what I was doing there. I was originally working in like sport stuff and I was very unathletic so well, I got moved look, to academic support pretty quickly between you and me you look like a marathon runner <laughs> <laughs> or, a, or a long distance runner you're no athlete you could be a long distance runner no, it just depends on how fast you're going not me could, if I can run 20 meters I'd have a heart attack I yeah you're trying to kill me I know you people <laughs> force you exercise on the elderly yeah. it's a crime against humanity Getting back to you, you're more important than <laughs> old people. Did you learn any Chinese when you were there? I did try to study. They had like a course with one of the teachers mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. and she was so lovely and very patient and I was so helpless. Like I couldn't, I just couldn't wrap my little brain around. It's such an incredibly complex, beautiful language. Mm. I have a lot of respect for it. I did not make a dent in it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you actually read characters? No. Not anymore. After a year. You were there for a year. Did oh, you actually walk out of the school and experience real life? A little bit, but not a lot. Not a lot. Because I, I was living on campus. Right. So I ended up kind of, I, as you remember, was a little bit yeah. self-insulating at That's this time right. in my yes. life. So I would kind of, you know, drink myself into oblivion most days, including work days, and not mm. go out very much. You, you weren't <laughs> drinking alcohol at your tender years. I was. I was drinking what, a lot. What? what? Trying to sleep or just trying to forget? Or Couldn't just... sleep. Mm. I think I was just trying to escape the reality of what my brain had turned into, which mm. Mm. I didn't know how to do other than just numbing, which mm. is something everyone can relate to. So, yeah. so at this stage you hadn't sought any professional advice? You just thought Not this was... at the time. I had had an experience with a, quote, life coach... <laughs> <laughs> that my parents hooked me up with that yes. kind of put me off counselling for, for a while. Yeah, I can imagine. But, yeah. yeah. yeah they're charlatans, most of them. Oh I, I, I wanted to be a life coach. I thought it would be a great way to make money. What do you What do you call what you do now, not, if not? Yeah, look, I, 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 give, I give hope where hope, where there is no hope. That's my job. That sounds like a life coach. <laughs> no. No. Just no. an effective version uh, of it. Just an ineffective version. <laughs> so um, 
heavy drinking. Every day? Um, most days. Most days, yeah. right. And did you realise you had an, I- an issue with alcohol at that stage? I was getting wise to it slowly. Mm. Um, you know, when you're hungover in, at your job, it's not a good sign. Mm. But it was also tricky because it was so easy to get and it was so cheap to get that it didn't occur to me in the same way that you know, you might get a red flag if you're yep. spending a lot of money on a habit or something. It right, was just so right, accessible right. to me. What were you drinking? Oh, I drank a lot of beer. <laughs> Chinese beer? Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> I got very into beer. And I there was, you know, a lot of different spirits and stuff. And mm. we used to go to this bar called the Monkey King that had these absolutely delicious limoncello shots. <laughs> and I would just make myself sick off of those because yep. they're yep. so delicious. Yep. <laughs> Well, I've got a very special prawn recipe. You actually soak the prawns in limoncello before you fry them and put chilli flakes on them. Oh, that sounds delicious. It is. You can do it, anybody. If I can cook it, anybody can cook it. So. Yum. So how did you break out of this little circle of life? Well, at the end of the year, I left... China and I decided to start applying for universities kind of while living at home Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't uh, end up applying for quite a while so I was at home for a little while which was a stressful environment so at one point I got in touch with someone I had actually met in China who was also working at the school who was a teacher a close friend of mine now who had gone to university in Germany and told me that there were not tuition fees for international students in Germany, which I was like, score, I don't have any money. Mm. So I applied for university in Germany and um, I started, there There was a limited sort of number of um, programs mm. and international acceptance to the programs. Mm. And I ended up getting accepted to the program International Taxation and Law. Mm. And so I... What, what university? It was called um, University of Rheinwald. Mm-hmm. It's like a, of applied sciences, applied sciences. Is, is that is that north, south, east Germany? Where is it? That's west, west Germany, like very near the border with the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Thank God for that. <laughs> I thought they were going to send you to Bavaria. You would have continued to be drunk, yeah. <laughs> considering all the I beer still, up there. I still, I managed to find it. Don't you, you managed worry. to find it. I was very resourceful. Right. And how did you enjoy your studies? I hated it so much. I was really trying to still mold myself into this idea of someone who could be successful. A financial <laughs> counsellor. I was yes. like, I just want to be able to make money and escape yeah, the yeah. cycle of poverty my family seemed to be in. And A cycle of poverty, sending you to bloody Cumbria. Well, the, the, that's what started the cycle. Uh, right. But that was your <laughs> that was your decision to go to Cumbria. Oh, no, my, I'm, I'm joking. But yeah. My parents were in a lot of debt and oh, continued. Right. Yeah, I look up. Debt, that's my favourite topic. That's oh, okay. Man. Maybe I'll... If you're, if you're a financial counsel, maybe you can give me a chat after the program, Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give you my card. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'll How t- much do you charge? <laughs> you can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. That's the funny thing is that people get into financial difficulties. They go to a financial counsellor and they can't afford the fee. It's great yeah, life in great a capitalist group. society. Yeah, it's brilliant. All right. How long did you last in Germany? Uh, two years. <laughs> that's pretty good. Two out of the four. I failed a lot of my classes. <laughs> But did you actually attend them? I did. I tried very hard, and I just my brain is not built for accounting. I don't mm. know whose is. Shout out to accountants, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. not me. Fine. How much German did you learn? 
Um, not very much. But I did go to classes, and I think while I was there and practicing, I was mm. I was getting sort of a conversational base level. And I left about five years yeah. ago, and I've just kind mm. of not kept well, it up. Well, you're very lucky you've been cha- – I'm challenging you today because it was a few years ago before Kelly Whitworth was here, we had a German-speaking producer. You know that oh, woman? Yeah. Yes, yes. You know her name. What are you, what are you, what are you saying? Well, I'm sure she would have been – woken up from her oh. slumber and looked at you and said, you're in Germany for two years and you can't speak any German. <laughs> she would have admonished you. No one has more shame about this than I do. <laughs> Believe you me, I have a very close friend who I also went to university with who was there for the same amount of time as me and speaks uh-huh. fluent German. Uh-huh. And this is a very common thing for students who go to Germany to study. They do learn German. I'm just terrible at things <laughs> joe can't speak fluent english and he was born here <laughs> exactly you know so one language I... at a time you know yeah, you and me, well, we gotta take, well you know take I, only, slow. I didn't speak any english till i was six i didn't think that was a lingua franca of the country and then when i came across it i thought this is a ridiculous language and my parents said it is ridiculous it's true i said in italian you spell it as you pronounce it i said all this bloody english crap but going back to germany and your story so Two years, another fail cross on your life. What <laughs> you happens? can imagine how good about myself you'd I was You'd be what? Feeling. You'd be within, what was this, 20? 21, 22, kind of. In Germany, in 2022? Oh, sorry, I was, uh, yeah, it was 2019. 19. Yeah, so. which at, uh, I, with this friend of mine who spoke German, mm. <laughs> was an incredible person, very close friend of mine to this day, and he's from Melbourne, mm. and he kind of told me, a little bit about the city and he had introduced me on the phone to some of his friends here and so uh in 20 in 2019 i came to visit melbourne with him because i knew i wanted to switch my career and my mm-hmm. degree and i didn't want to stay you're very lucky that we speak english aren't you I got because it was, <laughs> that I was knew, a positive i knew i didn't want to live in the u.s <laughs> i knew i didn't want to live in the uk so i was really running out of countries well you always had canada you always had canada oh, it's too cold in canada <laughs> <laughs> So when, when, when did you arrive here, 2019? So I visited in 2019 and I mm. met my current partner at that mm. time. And mm. then I visited again at the end of the year in 2019 and was like, this is such a good vibe. I'm going to move here. Uh-huh. And I plan to do that. And then, and then you can't imagine what happened. <laughs> yeah. You won't believe it. March 2020. Yeah, they the closed world the borders chart. on me. So where did you find yourself living? I was visiting family in the U.S. Ah, you lucky thing! Lucky? Yeah, you could you could have been one of the you could be one of the million that died because they don't believe it's a, a real thing. COVID nineteen. Oh my god, that was such a radicalizing experience for me because I had not really experienced politics in any kind of personal way or engaged mm-hmm. with it before that. Right. And that was so intense living there. So what there. happened? What happened? So I was um, living with a family member who was a shock alcoholic mm-hmm. and ended up not being a viable place to live long term. So I moved and I got a job. And the first job I could get was at a Walmart. All right. And Whereabouts in the States, Grace? That was in Arizona, in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, Walmart, Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah. That's so a dream job. City. What do you, you complain about? Yeah, no. It was what did you get? $8 an hour at that stage? Yeah. Honestly, well, <laughs> thankfully in Metro Phoenix, the yeah. minimum wage was I think like eleven dollars. Right. So I was rolling in it, yep. and um, 
just the people that worked with me, their stories were so heartbreaking and mm. they were just breaking their backs and their bodies for this like minimum wage job. It was mm. really sad. And this and this is this is the height of COVID-19. This is the height of COVID-19. This is the summer of 2020. Right. There were a lot of riots happening and um, there was, you know, a lot of news coverage and the, the store mm. was, you know, and there were curfews, there were lockdowns, there was all this stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, hard not to, to wake up to that when that started happening. Look, it's, it's hard for us to imagine when we hear about... We've had mass shootings in this country. We tend to hide them. And we've got mass murderers who go over to New Zealand and kill 52 people, you know, which we don't mention here in this country. Is the When you're working at a place like that, which is heavily armed, individuals are heavily armed, do you have a fear for your life when you go to work? I know that I have other people who share this opinion with me but it's not everyone's opinion mm. is that the united states is kind of perceived by a lot of leftists as being a death cult mm -hmm. and it's not just a work that you fear for your life but most people fear for their lives like on a daily basis in most places in the u.s it is an inherently dangerous place to be because of just the level of sheer desperation and there's no support there's no help everybody's on their own it's every man for themselves it's such a tense environment um, like if if you're poor, which most people just are, um, so yeah, at work it was is very tense, and you know it's a very heavily policed kind of you know mm. city and, and country, and mm. yeah. Well, especially at the height of COVID nineteen, yeah, you've got all those different dangers. So what happened? How did you get here? Did you stow away on a ship? <laughs> I spent a couple of years applying for an exemption to the travel ban, which I didn't get. Of course, and you wouldn't. We didn't. No. Even, we don't. We don't even give it to champion tennis players. Well, we'd give it to a little person <laughs> like you. Come on, grow up. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> I had compelling reasons. For oh travel. gosh, she's flirting now. Her compelling <laughs> reasons. The big soft eyes, you know. I'm the tears salty. running down by the. Come on, look. I've seen all that shit before. <laughs> all right. How did you get here? I, I decided I'll go live with my parents in Dubai. I'll leave the U.S. because fuck that place. <laughs> Can I say that? So your parents in Dubai's lifestyle was a little bit better than selling shit at Walmart. Yeah. yeah. I stayed with them for a few months and tried to, you know, I wasn't on a visa that let me work, but I was doing mm. cash jobs and, yep. and living with them, and that was its own kind of challenge. And then I was like, oh, it'll, it'll be short because I'll, I'll get an exemption. And it was eight months. <laughs> and then they opened the borders and then I came. When so was that? That was December 2021. Right. Okay. And you came, what, straight to Melbourne? Yeah. This is where your partner was living? Yeah. Or? Yeah, right. And obviously you're welcome with open arms? Of course. Well. There were parades in the streets you didn't see? I wasn't invited, darling. I think he was away that weekend. Yeah. yeah. I think you were sick it, with COVID that weekend. No, no, I just wasn't invited. You didn't invite anybody under Have you had 24. COVID? I recently had COVID. And ah. I hope you don't get the COVID that I had because the COVID I had was a nightmare. Well, Kelly's had COVID and her COVID was a nightmare. And she was, what, triple vaccinated at that stage? Mm -hmm. Four, I think. Four, four, four yeah. vaccinated, yeah. Well, I've been very lucky. I've, um, I've worked. She's evil. That's why <laughs> I don't want to come near you. <laughs> the virus, I just, I look just at die. it, it'll it just, just dies. Die. I've been exceptionally lucky. I really have. Well, I haven't been lucky. I've taken precautions from day one because I continue to see patients, wore masks, did the whole thing, and I noticed you're doing here, which is very, very wise. 
did my injections and I've just been lucky. Life is luck That's at the cool. end of the day. You could be standing on a corner and be run over by a bus. Absolutely. Mm. We were always masking, social distancing. I didn't really go anywhere for the first few months that I was here. Mm. We don't really go out in crowds. We have one social activity that we do. What's we that? play Dungeons and Dragons with our friends every two weeks. And we don't wear masks there. And that was where we got COVID uh, you three mean, years you, of the pandemic. Uh, this, this is uh, your ex-friends, I assume. No, this is my... <laughs> Yeah, no, well, yeah. Well, friends share. <laughs> Thanks, Tifa. <laughs> they share. And if they've got a virus, they like to share it. <laughs> so you've been here, what, two years now? About a year and a half a year and a half. So how by. did you wander into this bloody loser's paradise? <laughs> I I don't know. It was one of those things that you kind of, you can't think too much about it because it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, just tell us. The journey to 3CR, to the front desk at 3CR, putting up with retrobates like me and wonderful <laughs> people like <laughs> Madam Whitworth. So when I first got here, I had this kind of expectation of myself that I would assimilate really quickly. Assimilate with your accent. <laughs> it's the same language. No, it's not. Sorry. And my Aussie accent is 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 immaculate. All right, give us something in Aussie. You have to take my word for it. Give us something in Aussie. Give us something in... people on the spot to speak in different languages and do funny accents. No, no, She said her... Don't worry about him. I did ask for that one, but I'm not going to disrespect your listeners. Just do the old putting the prawn on the barbie. You can do that one, can't you? No. You have to pay me for that. I'm not going to pay you. This is a volunteer. We're all volunteers. Come on. So, how did you get here? So... I had a hard time kind of like adjusting harder than I thought I would. And it took kind of a long time. And mm. I still was like, struggling to engage with my life, even though I was finally in a safe, steady, stable situation for the first time in a really, really long time. But I, I put a lot of pressure on myself because of that. But I started slowly rediscovering some things that I actually enjoyed. And one of those things is I've really just loved listening to radio stations, certain radio stations in particular that um, mm, were kind a, of... 3AW yeah. especially, I see. <laughs> yeah, it's my favourite. <laughs> Shout out 3AW. <laughs> and the, uh, I think it's 953, I can't forget the, the, the uh, horse racing station. There's a whole station for that. Of course. Oh this is Australia. What? We have a public holiday for a <laughs> horse race. Do they have one in Kentucky for the Kentucky Derby? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> well, you're in Tennessee. That's not far from Kentucky. You know, I was actually born in Kentucky. And you don't know? I don't know. Oh, another Bad do I. American on <laughs> purpose. All right, let's get back to this journey. I know you're trying not to tell us how you got into the studio. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it is a story. I told you it doesn't make sense. I'm a very complicated, multifaceted person. Uh, You've got tickets on yourself. You know what that means? (laughs) Do I want to know? Do you know what that means? No. You've got more front than Myers. You know what that means? No. Try again. Uh, Two Australian, uh, you know, expressions. One is tickets on yourself. You know, you're puffed up. Mm. And the yeah, fact up you got yourself. Up notoriously yourself. puffy, yeah, that's yeah. what my friends all say about Yeah, me. and more front than Myers. If you go in the old days, if you went to the Meyer department store, it was so long, the front. <laughs> and so we say, if somebody was puffed up, they had tickets on themselves, so they got more front than Myers. That's great. I really, I'm writing that down. <laughs> I'll tell you after. Look, this is a live show. We need to be speaking to you. Okay. Don't worry. 
slang. Where was I? Yeah, so you enjoy yeah, we saw you haven't come here Stop yelling. You, you enjoy listening to radio. I enjoy listening to radio. I wanted to get involved. I asked some local friends, like, what are some good radio stations? And they mentioned this one. I listened mm-hmm. to it and I immediately, like, loved it. I didn't even look up any other community <laughs> radio stations or any other radio stations here. Um, but I've been very, very slowly kind of learning about the, the local radio scene here. Uh, there's a lot of incredible, like, stuff being made. Um, so, yeah, that's mm. and I started yeah, but, volunteering. But how did you get here? How come we let you through the door? Well, Ask not, Inez. Inez. <laughs> it's not my fault. She's a Queenslander. No wonder she let you through the door. She understood. She's, you know, she's an outsider like you. Everyone's been asking me, like, since I started volunteering, they're like, oh, so, like, what's your thing? Like, what are your skills? Like, what do you want to do? And I'm always just like, I have no skills. I don't know what I want to do. You are, Can um, I please hang out and just, like, be that's around? Perfect. That's perfect. And that's what I've been doing. I've well, loved that's, it. that's what 3CR is about. And if there are other youngsters or oldies, because we kind of get people volunteering when they're very quite young and they're trying to on their place in life and when people have retired they come in you get an extraordinary number of people at the front desk who've got mm. different skills and you are multi-skilled you've been to the middle east you've survived tennessee kentucky <laughs> arizona phoenix walmart cumbria cumbria, uh, cumbria china, china come on and you're in what 23 no 25 24 you've whatever. seen a lot you've in your a... life so far mm. Mm. yeah i guess survival is a skill mm. uh, it is the ultimate human skill survival yeah. now you're going with that little alcohol problem much better good yeah good yeah through outside assistance or you'd made certain decisions i sort of it was a couple of things the, honestly the main reason was just that my body started responding really badly and even if i didn't have a lot to drink my hangovers would be insane and i'd feel like really sick so Excellent. i just didn't like feeling sick so that kind of just worked out for me mm-hmm. very lucky because it's definitely a thing in my family but i have very supportive siblings who have watched all this stuff happen with my family and mm-hmm. we've all kind of just mm-hmm. had a meeting and been yeah. like We'd rather not have no. this happen to us. So we've all stayed away from it, which is really cool. No, you, yeah. you're very lucky in many ways because it is a big problem in Australia yeah. uh, among all generations. And you're one of those small percentage of people when you develop an alcohol intolerance. And that's why. And that's it's, it's, it's really a survival mechanism from the, believe it or not, that goes back over a thousand years. When people of English background, they used to be fed alcohol, gin basically, as a payment for work. And they used to sleep in huge communal barns. And over time, people from Europe have developed a, a resistance to alcohol toxicity. And you find a lot of First Nations people haven't got that resistance because they haven't had that exposure during their, their generations. So... You are a product of evolution, young Grace Kelly. You've I'm survived because of that, because of the thousands that have died before you. you Thank know? you. <laughs> so no, I am grateful. Very now grateful. here comes the million-dollar question: the future. What are you going to do? I still don't have an answer for that. Yes, you do. You're going to hang out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'll be here for sure. Yeah. What? Um, for two weeks? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm up Grace is undergoing the um, undergoing undergoing. He's partaking. Is contributing to the um, broadcasting uh, course at the moment. It's been fantastic. The training course, it's so good. You, you, you've been trained by Kelly. Yes, yeah, and, others, the... and others, and others. Yes. 
You know more than what Joe knows. Like, well, Joe doesn't even know, know how to do all that stuff, <laughs> do you? No, no, I've only been here 47 years, but I refuse. I refuse to learn. Joe's the talent. That stuff's below him. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I decided 40 years ago that if you're going to press buttons and talk to people, I didn't have the skills to do both. <laughs> it's a lot of multitasking <laughs> exactly. to that. Yeah, not like Kelly. I just like to talk to people. We don't even have interviews. We have, although you exposed a fair bit of your life to the world today. Yeah, I know. Mm. I don't know how I feel about it yet. You, you'll feel <laughs> fine. Now. They won't know. They won't know. They'll, they'll, come into the, they'll come into 3CR and they'll say, where's Grace Kelly? And you'll say, <laughs> who? <laughs> what are your favourite 3CR shows? No, no, you never asked that. Oh, I just did. That. Because Radical Australia. Yeah, see, that's what I mean. <laughs> Anarchist World this oh, week. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> Come on, get get onto the music program. I love the music programs. Yeah. I'm real I love Music Matters so much. Joe's so great. And uh this oh, 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 oh music. Oh, music. She loves music. He doesn't know anything about music. How about Lazy Wednesday? You know, you're not missing anything, music. Overrated, I reckon. Well, I wouldn't even know what it is. People. It's just that thing that happens before your show starts. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's some singer called Carrie or something. What's her name? Mary? Carrie? You know, that famous US singer? What's her name? Like a country singer, Carrie Underwood? No, no, no. The really famous one. Lizzo? No, I don't. I don't even know. People mention these names, and I think, what? Who's that? Pink Fergie. I don't know. I don't know. I um, about twenty years ago, you won't believe this. I was called a curmudgeon in the Australian. (laughs) You are the definition of curmudgeon, though. To be fair, I am. That was a pretty good. I thought that was very good. I, I, I wear it as a badge. Of courage, you know, badge of honour to be a, a curmudgeon, curmudgeon you know, in, in, in a uh, society where, you know, the... Everything's the, really flesh. Yeah. The, You're going against the grain. Exactly. You're such a radical. No, I'm just a curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> so no, plan, no plans for further education apart from here I'm at taking, I'm taking a course. I, I've, I'd like to explore a couple different things mm. now that I'm kind of just in the space where I can experiment. So mm. I'm open to whatever comes up, but I've really, I feel like being here has inspired me to try a lot of different things as well. So who's, who knows? Well, Grace Kelly, this is what 3CR is all about. Absolutely. It's about giving people opportunities, allowing them to find their own space. And I'm very, very happy and very pleased that your friends gave you the best advice you've had in your life to come here to 3CR and annoy people. Absolutely. So, and I, all I can say is, since I've seen you at the front desk, this is the first time I've seen you without a mask. <laughs> I told you not to tell anybody. Yeah, I, just, I, I just thought, I, I thought, I didn't realise you wore a mask because you were concerned about COVID-19. I thought you wore a mask because you were concerned about people seeing you at 3CR. Oh, my gosh. You know, the How shame of it all. Yes. <laughs> now, congratulations. Hopefully, I'm sure you'll finish the course. And remember, a lot of people who've started off here at the front desk have become station managers. Some are now stars on the corporate-owned media and the Government Guild at ABC. The world is your oyster. Wow, corporate radio. Dream big, hey? <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you, Kelly. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you. pleasure. Thanks, Grace. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Good. The van and there, she took his ring, took his babies, it took him minutes, took her nowhere, heaven knows he looked.
listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.